Hi, everyone. Hi, everyone. Welcome Hi, to guys. the podcast. Yes, um, we are back. Um, I hope you all had a wonderful, wonderful weekend. How was your weekend, Yakini? It was really good. It's warming up here in New York, so it's beginning mm-hmm. to feel like spring mm-hmm, on a consistent mm-hmm. basis. You know, obviously yes, it here. is spring now, but you know, mm-hmm. that's really, really cool. So yeah, it was a nice, yeah. nice weekend. What about you? How was yours? Same here. It's nice in the 70s, so it's feeling good. That was the weekend. Okay. I went, yeah, mm-hmm. over the weekend. Now. Not well, you know, it's Atlanta. It's it's, hu- it's gonna yeah. be humid. Um, but over the weekend, I went to a concert. I saw Maxwell, Joe, and um, Anthony Hamilton. It was so amazing, what a good so show. good. Oh, it was so good, so oh sexy. I um, had a great time with dinner beforehand with friends. And, you guys both look just uh, really grown and sexy. Oh, thank you. Really, really. Thank you. We had a really good time. Uh, the people we were sitting around were fun, so we had we just had a really good time. Um, I, I let me tell you something to young people who go to concerts with uh older millennials and, and <laughs> zennials. Get off y'all phone! <laughs> like, oh, they were on the phone. The, the doggone phone! Like taking video I, and live streaming, yes, or like texting and being yes, or texting. Like, just absorb the music. Just sit there and enjoy it. You don't have yeah. to live stream it. You don't have to. I mean, you're going to forget it in a little while. I mean, just just enjoy the experience. Just enjoy being mm-hmm. there, which is what I, I did. And I had a good time. I, I needed to get away from like my mom blogging because at one point mm-hmm. I was a, quite a successful mom blogger. And what mm-hmm. I found was that I wasn't really in the moment. And I was Mm -hmm. always kind of capturing footage, whether it was of the kids, like, you know, I was invited to a lot of events in the city and it was really nice. So the boys had like a really cool early childhood because they weren't went to like every possible thing that, you know, was going Mm -hmm. on. But I Mm -hmm. found that I wasn't really able to be present because I was capturing it because I had to do like Mm -hmm. a blog post about it or I wanted to capture it for whatever. And it's really just can't be fully present. You can't really be mindful And it's like, Mm -hmm. not to say that you shouldn't capture some footage because I'm all about memories and pictures and a little video, but not the entire time. So I guess I I hear what you're saying. It's kind of like when they do that, it's cool and your your Instagram is popping because everybody's are you really taking it mm-hmm. in and absorbing it? Because you just, I don't right. you can't really be doing, you can't be physically, fully present and on one side of the camera. So yeah, Right, right, right. If that's your job, or maybe you're like an influencer and you have to do it sometimes, but I encourage people to take time out to attend events and just fully be there. Like how you and Yes, yes we so had a nice. great time just being there and just enjoying yes. it and, and seeing and Maxwell. Is that the yes. video where I saw Maxwell like kind of dropping like it was hot? Yes, girl. Was that the performance? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, yes, girl. His, that, man's, that man's knees are well lubricated, honey. He was, he was dropping. Yeah, he's no spring for chicken. real. Yes, he is not a spring chicken. The man's close to 50. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like he's, mm-hmm. he's getting it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he looks so good. I want to know his hair routine. Yeah, curls was yeah his hair's back. That's classic mm-hmm. Maxwell. How we first mm-hmm. fell in love with him. Okay. Yes, yes. So he looked real good. Also, Anthony Hamilton's style is so beautiful. Let um, me tell you something about Anthony did Hamilton. Did he do Charlene and you know he did? Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. Know he did. 
and the, the, to see a crowd full of black men singing so hard was so yeah, funny. And, when you said that, I laughed so hard. I know Best of Me oh was my in the God. jam at one point, but yeah, yes. I just, this music is just so soulful and old school. I love it. Yes, and people were like slow dancing in the middle of the like aisle. It was so beautiful. So, oh my shout God. out to shout out to the concert we had. I found oh, a, nice. a few other friends who went good time. Mm-hmm. So last week we had some serious. We had a great topic about love lessons from ladies over fifty. Yeah. We talked about the article we read in Essence, and I think it really resonated with a lot of folks. Um, so thank you all for engaging with us and you know talking about the love lessons that you all have learned over time and stuff like that. Um, a lot of people agree with what we were saying, and so yes. like really really appreciate that. In hot topics last week, we talked about Kanye's documentary, uh, India and Lil Dirt talking about low body counts, and mm-hmm. Nicki Minaj talking about orgasms and and not faking it, which I totally <laughs> totally agree with. Um, and watching romance, we talked about the courtship, Grand Crew, and a little bit about our new fave, which is the Gilded Age. But we'll talk more about that uh, later on. Um, in what in reading romance, I taught dating Dr. Dill, a walk in the park, which is the audible exclusive by uh, Rebecca Witherspoon, and our spring 22 romance and color reading list, which went live uh, shortly after our podcast. And I hope you all took a look at the 14 books that I have listed there, uh, from nonfiction all the way down to historical fiction and YA that you all love and should be able to enjoy and. Um, I have a wide range, a variety of uh, books that for everybody. So it's something for everybody on that list. And finally, in listening to romance, shout out to the Good Moms Bad Choices podcast, a cannabis positive, sex positive podcast featuring two moms who basically talk about any and everything. So shout out to them. <laughs> yes. So hot topics, Yakini. What's popping this week? So what's popping this week? So Khloe Kardashian is in the news again, and it's not related mm. to her ne'er-do-well children's father, Tristan Thompson. <laughs> okay. But unfortunately, she is continuing to make poor choices and partners. This time, she's being linked once again to Trey Songs. I don't know if you guys what? remember, a few years ago in 2016, they were rumored to be dating. They, they oh, were, really? They were, yeah, yeah. They were spotted together several times that year. For example, in July of 2016, they were spotted making out at a nightclub in Las Vegas. And then mm. shortly after that, they were on an intimate date night at Top Golf. And then they attended Kevin Hart and Aniko's wedding together. So the pair never publicly confirmed their relationship, but people believe they were seriously dating, that they were actually in a relationship. They had moved wow. on. They had moved on from one another. Of course, we know she linked up with Tristan Thompson who's the father of her daughter but most recently this past saturday night chloe and trey songs they're both 37 years old they were spotted out together at the nice guy restaurant in west hollywood attending an intimate party that justin bieber was hosting so Mm. you know reportedly the two sat together in a booth and basically talked all night long and you know sources said that they were very close and they weren't making out or anything but that it appeared to be very intimate so who knows what's going on you know Chloe's been very open about the fact that she still loves Tristan has forgiven him on multiple occasions and you know I think we all know we try to work things out with the the father of our children if we can but he's publicly Mm -hmm. humiliated her perhaps one too many times maybe she's kind of you know 
going back to something familiar for her sake. I hope it's just a fling. Um, I used to really be a fan of Trey songs, but he's just been kind of connected one too many times to, you know, these sexual assault allegations. And, and I just see him so differently now. Um, And he, he has some charges against him, matter of fact. So I don't know about that choice, uh, Chloe. And uh, she just keeps setting herself up for her. Girl. Yeah. Mm -mm -mm. So that's no, not good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But in other news, Nick Cannon, and we of course learned recently that his talk show was not picked up for a second season. I don't think he's that's probably over it. it is. Yeah. I'm, I'm not gonna lie, I never watched a full episode. I think the only time I turned that show on was, you know, after the death of his his child, and I knew he was gonna address it on the show. So I had watched that and that was a very heartfelt episode. But mm. I just really wasn't a, a fan of and, and I wasn't interested. I like Nick Cannon. I'm not a fan of daytime talk. I've never been since like the Ricky Lake Jenny Jones days. I literally only watched the Wendy Williams for Wendy Williams. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't yeah. watch any of that other stuff, the view, the real. I, I don't like daytime talk show, it's silly. But mm-hmm. anyway, so his show was not picked back up. That's not the story though. So he was spotted out with his ex-girlfriend Jessica White. And they I am shocked they got back together. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> As we know, they they dated, they were they were in a serious relationship, but in 2020, mm-hmm. Jessica accused him of hiding that he was having a baby with Brittany Bell, who's mm-hmm. the mother of his two children. Um, so, you know, after that, they parted ways. But they had dated on and off since 2015. But she was hurt by that. And, you know, he's since gone on to father so many children. Oh. Um, and so as a result, you know, they, they did break up. But they were spotted out this weekend. And it was on the Upper East Side. And it says that they were clubbing together and, Nick Cannon apparently was spinning some records and then he joined Jessica at the table and says the sources who saw them said that they seemed to be having a great time. They were hyping up the crowd. They were both in a good mood, laughing and hugging. Could have just been like a friendly thing, you know, but you know how it is if you're spotted out with your ex, people are going to speculate. So Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily wish them to get back together. I did like them together, but I feel like he's done so much and, you know, his career is on top of the world. He's not hurting that he lost his you know, his talk show, I'm sure, since he has so many other things going on, but he also has mm-hmm. a lot of children, so I think Jessica should steer clear of that, but and, I did and wasn't she the one that girl. yeah, wasn't was, she the one who lost a baby, and she had lost a baby, and he was up here having a baby by somebody else, and she didn't know it, but she had lost the baby, and they were okay, living is together is that the story, because I, I imagine mm-hmm. that must have really stung, if that's the case, I yeah. think that is what happened matter of fact I do think that's what mm-hmm. happened so it was just a really hard pill to swallow for him to just kind of go on and kind of impregnate all these other women especially simultaneously Ugh. so yes yeah. yes I've yeah. got to hurt but mm-hmm. it, it, they probably were just kind of kicking it as homies but you know we'll be watching and stuff like that because you never know yeah 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 like to go back to that old thing thing because it's familiar <laughs> stuff. And just like a little dirt, beautiful woman. Mm-hmm. Like little dirt talking about keeping your body count low. Lord, <laughs> I I guess, and maybe that's dirt. what he's trying to do. Oh Lord, who knows? Who knows? I'm talking about Nick Cannon, not Jessica. Nick oh. Cannon. Maybe he's trying to keep his body count low. So Perhaps I think that ship has sailed, but you know. Mm-hmm. But um, so moving on, Mary J. Blige. So she recently um did an article and or she did an interview, I'm sorry, with uh 
today, and she talked about why she's never had her own biological children. Now, mm-hmm. mind you, you may remember that, you know, she was previously a stepmom to her ex-husband, Kendu's three children. They were mm-hmm. married from 2003 until 2018. So if you watched Growing Up Hip Hop, you probably remember one of his daughters who was on the show, and she would remember yeah. herself as Mary J. Blige's daughter. But it, you know, it was really her stepdaughter. But, you know, she was in her life for some formative years. I wasn't a fan of her, but anyway, mm. that's a whole other story. Um, right. But anyway, so Mary J. Blige is kind of tired of being asked about why she doesn't have children. Um, and she said in the interview, she said, quote, I have nieces and nephews forever, and I'm always watching how people are scrambling for babysitters. I don't want to go through that, she said. You know, I'm 51 mm. years old. I like my mm-hmm. freedom. I like being able to get up and go and move and do what I want to do. I don't want to pretend to someone all the time. Um, Mm -hmm. So she said, you know, she loves children. She enjoyed being a stepmother, you know, when she was a stepmother and she and her nieces and nephews fill her hands. And she says she's satisfied. Mm -hmm. And I respect that because I just feel like so often women are pressured about kids and when are you going to have kids? And even if you don't get married, you know, there's options for you. And sometimes people are okay and they, and they're enough and they don't want that. Everyone does mm-hmm. not want the, the husband, the wife, the, the 2.5 kids, the picket fence, the dog. That's not everybody's American dream. So right, right. I think pre- and I think Vivica has expressed similar. I think at one yep. point Vivica was open to it, but she's come to terms with the fact that she doesn't have kids she she's she's kind of like I have nieces and nephews and I'm happy with that and I'm good with it and I'm, I believe mm-hmm. that they really are good with it it's not everybody's dream so that's what Mary J Blige said I I appreciated her saying that and stuff like that and so that's yeah. it for hot topics that's wow mm-hmm. okay then we yeah we gotta respect Mary and and, and her choice in life she's fabulous she doesn't need kids she, she is just, <laughs> she doesn't need kids to be fulfilled and happy. You know right. I mean? and, and I think also, like she said, she had the taste of it. So I'm mm-hmm. sure that, that she's was like, more. She's like, I'm good. <laughs> that like, might have been good. The, right. That might have been the turning point for her when she said, I'm really good. <laughs> Right, but, um, right. Because being a step parent comes with its set of challenges, I'm sure. It, so. re- it really, really does. Yeah. All right, you guys. Um, we're going to take a quick break and come back with our interview with Kathy Yardley. So you all stay tuned. All right, you all, and welcome back. Um, we're going to have an interview on our um, Writing in Color series to kind of wrap up Women's History Month with Kathy Yardley. She is of Vietnamese descent and a UC Berkeley graduate and writer of chick lit romance and urban fantasy and has sold over 1.2 million books. Um, she writes diverse, geeky characters, cinnamon roll heroes, and all types of fun, sexy times. Um, we talk about her books, her new Ponto Beach reunion series. We talk about writing in the Penny Reed romance universe. And we talk all about, of course, craft, writing, and what her inspirations are. So you all sit back and enjoy our interview with Miss Kathy Yardley. Hi, everyone. I am here with a self-proclaimed chick-lit, geek-lit author, uh, Kathy Yardley. Um, Kathy, thank you so much for joining us here on Romance and Color. 
Um, thank you for coming on our little podcast and talking about your work and your romance and uh, what um, drives you to write. So yes, thank you in advance. Um, thank you for coming on as part of our Writing in Color series. Uh, and especially this month, because it's Women's History Month, and so you're our last interview for the month. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. So tell us a little bit about yourself, and I'm going to ask you the question that I ask all of our romance writers here. What made you fall in love with romance in the genre of romance? So what's your romance origin story? That's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. Um so I come up from a family of like accountants and engineers and mm. science people mm -hmm. and, um, and I'm half Vietnamese mm -hmm. and romance was not something anybody I knew read. Uh -huh. <laughs> it was like, um, and when I was in high school, I got a job at the library, mm -hmm. um, shelving books and stuff. Mm -hmm. And there was one librarian there that was super like anti-romance, just like, ah, it's trash. So <laughs> naturally I gravitated to it like a magnet. I was like, I got to check this out. Of course. <laughs> so I would smuggle books into my house to read mm. <laughs> because I was like, this is awesome. Why have I not seen this before? Right, right, right. And so what do you remember? Like the first romance that you read, like that you were just like, oh, this is it. This is like the genre I, I am totally like in love or, or was there an author that you like totally gravitated toward um the I don't remember from high school because there were a lot of like second chance at love and a lot of category stuff mm -hmm. um uh and I devoured them so it was like they all are like one big mush mm. but when I went to college my best friend in college had a bunch of romance novels too and she gave me The Lion's Lady by Julie Garwood. Mm. I stayed up to like three o'clock in the morning because I mm. hadn't read a, like a single title historical before. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that that's kind of my jumping off point. It was like no looking back from there. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you're a graduate of UC Berkeley. Um, what did you do after graduation and was writing part of the plan? Um, after graduation or were you just going to continue to be one of those uh, accountants, engineers, lawyers, doctors in your family? <laughs> um, I knew I was never going to be uh, what they were. Um, mm. I, my ADHD was still undiagnosed at that point. <laughs> but mm, yeah. I just, I always knew I wanted something more creative. Mm -hmm. And when I was in college, um, I worked with publicity for a small publisher mm. so i kind of figured it's like in my family real people don't write for a living mm. or they didn't mm. until me right. <laughs> so um i was like okay i'll wait until i retire um mm. but in the meantime i'll i'll be i'd love to be a, a publicist or help promote books okay um so i started out as like a secretary at an ad agency mm -hmm. um just because that was the job I could get. Mm -hmm. um, and then I wound up getting a lot of weird, <laughs> my job path was very strange from there. A lot of assistant jobs, office manager, mm -hmm. um, that kind of thing. And mm -hmm. I, I wrote on the side for myself. Right, right, right. 
But what kind of led you to saying, okay, I want to jump from writing for myself to getting into the publishing game the, 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 and querying and going through the whole process of, you know, writing uh, professionally. So what was like the first manuscript that you were like, okay, I think I got something here and I can, I think I want to like dip my toe into the publishing uh, world. Um, I was living in Los Angeles and I had joined the Los Angeles romance authors. Mm -hmm. Um, great group. Um, mm -hmm. I, but I was still doing that with an eye toward, okay, I'm going to be a publicist. Mm -hmm. And, um, I got elected president. Oh, wow. <laughs> One of those things where it was like, you know, I went out for chips and I came back and they're like, we voted for you. So I was like, oh God, okay, so this is happening. Oh um, and we had a contest and we were short entries. And I, mm -hmm. so I was like, okay, I will turn in an entry so we can continue the contest. And I placed. <laughs> and I was just like, ah, <laughs> perhaps I have something here. Uh -huh. So, and back then you could query Harlequin without an agent mm -hmm. uh, for some mm -hmm. of their whatever lines. Um, mm -hmm. And the first thing that I queried got shot down with a very nice letter. But then the <laughs> second thing, um, and I mean, this is like the second thing that sees the light of day. I had like, you know, bunches of those like half started went nowhere stories oh, yeah yeah but the second book that i actually completed and queried they had a mini series and one of the authors dropped out wow so they needed like something in a hurry that would fit mm -hmm. <clears throat> and then i suddenly get a call from an editor who's like this is perfect um can you get these revisions turned around in like a week or something wow and i was like of course <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, that's how I kind of I did luck. I lucked into this job. I don't think it's luck. I I I I, I mean, I believe in uh, like like from what I'm hearing, like it seems like the puzzle pieces were coming into play, and like you know, you were positioning yourself in these like really cool ways and like these small little entries. Like there was like a little crack in the door, and you you stuck your foot in, and like bam, you just. <laughs> You were there, you know what I mean? I don't know if it was, I don't know, Kathy. I don't know if it's luck now. They just raise your lap like this, like, oh, okay, I got something that fits. You were ready, you were you were prepared without even realizing you were prepared, I think. Yeah, but that's that just me. <laughs> that's my philosophy on things. If you believe in luck, I'm not shooting you down. But I I mean, from what I'm hearing, I'm like, huh, she she was already kind of positioning her herself you know, in, in these ways of, you know, getting her foot in the door with Harlequin. So what was your experience like working with Harlequin and having your first kind of uh, major manuscript out there? Like, what did you learn from that process? <clears throat> what did I learn? Um, <laughs> I've been doing this. I mean, I sold that first book in 99. Mm. Um, so I've been doing this a while and I was obviously <laughs> quite a bit younger and I had no idea what I was doing mm -hmm. uh well I mean that's not true because the Los Angeles romance authors were very good about educating people about the industry which right. I, I can't thank them enough mm -hmm. for 
Um, and I was lucky enough to be connected with other traditionally published authors. Mm -hmm. um, so that was, that helped. That said, you never know until you're actually in it. So mm -hmm. it was a matter of like, oh, wow, you know. Um, I also didn't publish for like, I think two years or something nuts between the first book and the second book because I psyched myself out, mm -hmm. um, which I also wasn't expecting. I didn't know kind of mm -hmm. how to deal with that um, pressure, really. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that so let's kind of talk about this that pressure like I think that's something I think debut authors um don't realize this can happen um so like after you published with Harlequin what was it about the pressure to like produce something else that was so why was it so crippling for you in your in your creativity I think because you don't want to disappoint anyone mm -hmm. um and i mean imposter syndrome is totally real so it's sort of like if it feels like the first one was a fluke mm -hmm. then you're sort of like well i don't know what to to do with the second one um mm -hmm. do i do the same thing do i do something somewhat different um mm -hmm. early on it's like i don't want to be pigeonholed um which is sort of like a well, no, you kind of don't, but at the same time, you are building a brand. You want right. to, you know, you want your readers to feel comfortable that when they come to you, they're going to be satisfied with what they're reading, you know, mm -hmm. that you're meeting their expectations. Mm -hmm. So how are you able to kind of get out of your own way in a way and just kind of push through that, those expectations or that, that kind of that, that anxiousness? that you felt, you know, as you were trying to like, you know, produce the next, the next manuscript um, for uh, your next book. This is terrible. Your <laughs> spite. <laughs> Listen, whatever motivates, um, yeah. This, my second book, my first book was for their romantic comedy line that they had mm -hmm. at the time. Mm -hmm. um, my second book was for Harlequin Blaze, which had just come out. Mm. And there was a lot of talk at that point um, in the kind of romance author community and that were very split about, you know, oh God, there's too much sex. And it's like, now that's laughable. Right. But right. at the time it was like a thing. Mm -hmm. um, and they were just like, you know, they have to have sex by page 50 and that's not a story. And I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like clutching your pearls. So of course I had to write for that one. I was like, right. I just had to show them. So, so I did and sold the book. It was great. <laughs> so, I mean, I think, I think, you know what? I, I mean, you laugh, but. I think whatever motivates you to kind of get over that hump is what works. You know what I mean? Like the spite, you know, spite, whatever motivates you. I know for me, it was people having doubt that I could do anything, you know, or, or, or like, oh, you are, or, or, or like being very flippant about, 
what romance as a genre was. Like, oh, that doesn't seem very serious. You don't seem like someone who would write something like that. So whatever, you know, spite, you know, revenge, <laughs> whatever, whatever, you, whatever helps you get over the hump, I think is the, a beautiful thing to, you know, do and, and like whatever it'll like motivate you to like do it. Um, so let's talk about just writing itself. So I said I know that you have like a ton of craft books out there. And so how did you kind of develop your writing technique and style and craft? And how did you get into like the craft of uh writing? Like did you have like mentorship? Did you have like I know you were in the the Los Angeles Writers Group, which you say is very instrumental in in you know focusing and getting you into romance and and kind of honing your skills. But what else you know did you do to like prepare for the craft of writing? Because I think people have a misconception that writing romance is easy, um, <laughs> and they don't realize that there's mechanics that go into it. So what, what, how were you able to kind of like learn the mechanics in a way that now you're able to teach other people the mechanics of writing and writing romance? I think like a lot of other authors, um, I had this, have this huge like reference library of just craft books that I picked up along the way. Mm-hmm. Um and I've gone to, you know, uh, conventions and listened to a lot of talks at conferences and things like mm-hmm. that. And just sort of took, for me, it's about sort of streamlining and getting all that information down mm-hmm. to something simple that works for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after doing this kind of um over the years my kind of day job is I'm a writing coach and a developmental editor Mm -hmm. um and I just knew that after doing this kind of over and over I found that I'm really good like strangely freakishly good Mm -hmm. (laughs) helping people find what their story is Mm -hmm. um and that actually works across a bunch of different genres But with romance, the thing with romance is because it is so tightly focused on the relationship and how two people grow um, as a result of falling in love, Mm -hmm. you really have to have super kind of uh, tight writing, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And then if you throw other subgenres in, like paranormal or thriller or whatever, um, it just becomes like, okay, but you have to keep the focus on the love story. You know, mm-hmm. it's otherwise you're, you're veering into other like areas. Mm-hmm. So do you think that is like a common trap for aspiring romance writers? Or do you think there's something like a little more, uh, well, I wouldn't say a little more focus or whatever, but is, is that, is, is that, a common trap for romance writers that they aren't focusing on the relationship enough in the stories or do you feel like there's something else that you've seen over time as a developmental editor that is like a common mistake that aspiring writers make 
I think aspiring writers that I've seen, especially in romance, have a tendency to misunderstand what kind of conflict needs to be there. Mm. Um, which is why you see the kind of dreaded misunderstanding um, mm. because they know in the third act that the couple should probably break up or have some kind of problem, mm -hmm. but they don't want it to be a real problem. They kind of mm. pull their punch. Mm -hmm. So one thing, one person hears the wrong thing and then they kind of break up for really kind of foolish reasons. And then mm -hmm. they get back together when it gets cleared up and that never works. <laughs> Not mm -hmm. never, but generally speaking, it readers at this point are like, oh, that's, that's weak. You know, I mm -hmm. think do better. Um, right. Right. The other problem they do is overcorrect and then just throw in a bunch of random conflict Ooh. which is just like and then there's a hurricane and, you know and, a and you're like okay slow down this is that's not the conflict we're looking for the conflict has to tie into the growth arcs for your protagonists that's mm -hmm. what makes the change um mm -hmm. so as long as you tie it to that and those growth arcs tie to how they're able to fall in love and why they weren't in love in the beginning. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. That's that's a really good tip. Like I, yeah, <laughs> I can't even say. <laughs> I can't even like this. I'm like, yeah, that's a really good tip because you can't throw in too many conflicts and you know try to overcomplicate the the, the situation when the breakup needs to be very clear. Um. I think miscommunication trope is it can work, but you have to be clear about what's being miscommunicated. I, I guess that's the thing. Oh, well, I, yeah. Technically, you can do anything. You can make anything work. Mm -hmm. But it's all about the setup. Mm. And a lot of beginning writers don't know how to set that up. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah. That's so that is really, really true. Um, so let's talk about you and your like body of work. So you've written what you say is chick lit, you've written romance, you've written urban fantasy, and all throughout those things, you say that you want to focus on diverse and geeky characters. <laughs> um, which I just like I love the fact that you like putting emphasis on like geeky underdogs and geeky geeky characters because I just feel like people don't give geeks enough love <laughs> in romance so how do you kind of combine those things with I know you say you have Vietnamese with you, the cultural aspects of your your identity and kind of meld those two together to bring like a unique story um well I've been lucky enough, I guess, uh, to have lived in areas that had diversity. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, graduating from Berkeley um, and living in the Bay Area for a good chunk of time, living in Los Angeles where I did. Um, so for me, uh, it felt more natural. Mm -hmm. I didn't write as much uh, diverse characters in, you know, the early 2000s because at the time I didn't feel like I could and every time I could and I I snuck Asian characters in <laughs> every mm -hmm. chance mm -hmm. I could 
um, it felt like a win. Um, right. So my current series uh, is set in a fictional town called Ponto Beach in mm -hmm. San Diego County, which is very similar to where I grew up. Mm -hmm. um, but in this town, there is a, like a, a business that has, and there's a, a good sized Vietnamese population. Yeah. Um, uh, so, and there's other, you know, elements of diversity too, but I have a biracial Vietnamese hero in the first book. I have a Vietnamese mm -hmm. heroine in the second book or, you know, Vietnamese American. Mm -hmm. So I was able to draw on those kind of experiences. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and that's been a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So let's talk about the, the series, the Ponto Beach reunion series. So I came, I feel like I came to your writing late and through that series because just so happened I was on Kindle and they were like, this is a Kindle first read. Do you want it? And I was like, yeah, <laughs> I, was like, yeah. <laughs> I want it. Um, as soon as it was like social media and all this stuff, because I feel like I'm at that age, like I'm full, I'll be 43, um, next, well, next week, but, um, Happy birthday. Oh, thank you. Um, but I feel like I was at the age where I saw the rise of social media. And mm -hmm. now um, social media is now social currency, you know, in a way. And I think with your that first book in the series, uh, Love, Comment, Subscribe, and the relationship between Tobin and Lily, this, this whole um, idea of social media and social social media likes and comments and subscriptions and all this stuff as being currency and 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 access and, and allowing you access in places that you weren't able to have access because Lily's so consumed with being you know popular and received well um and all this so like I just I don't know I, I just what made you want to kind of tackle that as a subject in that particular book and um it kind of, I, I, and how do you feel like it appeals to like where we are right now in terms of social media is concerned? Um, it's funny. I got into the book uh, largely because my son is 15 mm -hmm. um, and he is was always like, oh, YouTube this, YouTube that. I watch this mm -hmm. and that. And I'm mm -hmm. like trying to kind of keep a lock on that where it's sort of like, okay, what are you getting into? Right, right. Um, because there's that's the wild west out there. It really is. <laughs> um, that said, a lot of who he liked were gamers. Mm -hmm. um, and he would watch like edited Markiplier and stuff like that, who mm -hmm. is so cute. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was fascinating to me just mm -hmm. seeing how kids his age, especially, have kind of replaced watching shows which i would have done you know as a kid right with watching streamers watching youtubers mm -hmm. um and then i was like okay i'd love to see uh because I, again i love video games and gamers and you know geeks and stuff so i was like <laughs> okay this is natural home for right. That. right what would be another side of youtube that wouldn't necessarily seem to fit mm -hmm. um and then i fell down this rabbit hole of beauty youtubers yeah. um, 
And one of the first kind of big beauty YouTubers was Michelle Fenn, mm -hmm. who is this, uh, and she seems just lovely, very just sweet. Um, uh, and she had to take a break because of burnout at one mm -hmm. point. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, that was like, that was a, for me a very interesting, like it actually kind of mirrors writing at this point. Right. Because there is that push, more content, more content. Mm -hmm. We need more content. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're not writing six books a year, you're you're failing. And it's like, wait, right. what? Right, <laughs> right, right. So right. seeing that and beauty YouTube is is Vicious. very much. <laughs> I, I don't don't mean to be dismissive, but it can be very much like high school. It's vicious. Um, it really is. Yeah, mm -hmm. they had. I'm not even kidding. They call it Dramageddon and Dramageddon 2.0. And it has this whole, like, this person said this, and this person said that, and this person is lying. And it was just like, wow. Listen, as a, as a person who loves, like, my introduction to YouTube really was two things. One, Janet Jackson Nipplegate. And two, <laughs> two, because, I mean, that's the thing that launched YouTube. Let's be honest. That makes sense. And two, um, with beauty bloggers and for me as somebody who's African-American who, you know, it's hard to find people who wear my complexion, who, you know, have finding products and stuff like that. So, you know, finding other people of color, like the Michelle Fonz, I think her sister or sister-in-law does um, beauty too. And, um, you know, it, it was just so, the whole world is fascinating to me and it's so mm -hmm. cutthroat. <laughs> like, I like know. The way you describe the girls that Lily meets trying to get into that party just to see this palette uh, was just so accurate. Like, I've heard the stories of, you know, particularly my friends who are like small creators and stuff like that. Because I have a couple friends who do YouTube and how they kind of get pushed aside for the big people or they meet people who they really admire and the people are kind of cold and standoffish to them. And they're just like, I don't understand. We're all in this. I thought we were all in this together. And then they realize that this this market is so competitive that everybody's kind of, you know, on their own, you know, everybody mm -hmm. for themselves and stuff like that. Whereas I guess Tobin's life as a gamer, creative type person seems more um, collaborative, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Um and Lily's life was so like seemed isolating. Like her, I mean, she had her friends or whatever, but it still seemed like the beauty whole thing was seemed so isolating. So for when you had the two of them kind of come together, I was like, oh, that's weird. I never thought of like a <laughs> a gamer person and a beauty. Like, what the heck would they collab on? But you made it work. So I was just like, oh, okay. <laughs> it was really good. I really, really enjoyed it. So like, what, what? What when you were writing this book and doing all your research, what's the like one cool thing that you learned about YouTube and the YouTube community? Um, writing this book in social media, just I think the sheer amount of work that goes mm -hmm. into it, mm -hmm. I had no idea just because it's not, I mean, you see something on TikTok or on YouTube and it's like you know, five minutes to 20 minutes and mm -hmm. you know, if that, and, and it's TikTok, it's even shorter and you're like, oh, that's funny. You know, I'll share it or whatever. You don't realize that 
hours of work went into coming up with the idea and editing mm-hmm. it. It's just, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. For one little five-minute video, it took three hours to set <laughs> three hours yeah. to set up. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Crazy. So what? So this kind of universe, this Ponto Beach universe and this nerd herd. <laughs> is that I feel like I don't know, call call me. I maybe I'm off, or maybe I'm not, but I feel like I get a sense. That since you said this is based on like your community and where you grew up in like San Diego County, did you have a nerd herd too? Or did you have like a group of friends that you were just like, these are my homies. We're like, we are the nerdy geeks of the school. (laughs) Still do. Still do. Hmm. Um, It's yeah. I definitely had this group of friends that we were just all together all the time. We're all in like the academic team. and. Um, we all watched like, you know, we'd go to the animation festival at midnight and we'd all hang out at, you know, each other's houses constantly. Um, and I I am still friends with a lot of them, um, Mm. which has been nice. It's, I wanted to show that kind of relationship, Mm -hmm. um, where you just, you have this group of friends that, um, are supportive, um, Mm -hmm. And are geeky. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So do have they read the books? Have they they're like, oh, you know, I see our relationship in them, or I see I see ourselves and <laughs> I see how we were together in them, whatever. I mean, every writer pulls a little bit of themselves, you know, in the book, but um what do they think about your whole world the world building that you've done and creating like Ponto Beach? Um they're actually uh a lot of them have been supportive like for the whole ride so that's been they're just like this is awesome and you know Mm -hmm. and that's Mm -hmm. in san diego is is cool Mm -hmm. the weird thing has been people from my high school finding me (laughs) 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 that first read thing especially like they know my name from high school Mm -hmm. um They're like, they know Ponto Beach was a nickname of a beach near our house. Oh, okay. (laughs) And I had forgot. I was like, I didn't forget it, but I'd forgotten that other people like referred to it. Oh, gosh. (laughs) So they're like, oh, this is awesome. And I was like, oh, my God, I have, hi. (laughs) That is so cool. That is so cool. (laughs) So like okay, you have this book and then the second book is coming out really soon, um, Gouda Friends. Um, tell us a little bit about that book. And I know it's about a cheese-loving girl named Tam. Yes. <laughs> and like, I love cheese. Like, I, if I was, I mean, I'm not lactose intolerant, but I love cheese. Um, put it to you that way. I shouldn't eat as much as I should, but... Um, and uh, her friend, her one of her best friends, I guess part of the nerd her too, um, Josh. Uh, so can you tell us a little bit about the premise of that book and uh, what was kind of the inspir- what's got, what's the inspiration behind this next one? Because it's a three book series, right? Yes. Okay. Um, well, Tam is um, she is one of the nerd herd, but she after she she went to college in New York. 
in Vassar mm -hmm. and then uh, has been working in New York City. And mm -hmm. she's kind of lost touch with the herd. The mm -hmm. last time she was back was like five years ago. And that was to help out her absolute best friend, Josh, mm -hmm. who's also mm -hmm. in the herd. Mm -hmm. um, and then, but she's kind of, he went on to great success because of her helping him and supporting him, just like brainstorming and like, don't worry, we've got this. Mm -hmm. um, so now five years later, she comes home like at three in the morning um, because her nightmare job has been, you know, just, it's a thing. Mm -hmm. And she comes home to find her boyfriend in bed with his ex mm. in their bed. And she's like, nope, can't deal with this right now. <laughs> She goes to the fridge to eat her emergency cheese. <laughs> I love that she has emergency cheese. Like <laughs> everyone should have emergency cheese. Put that to emergency it. cheese. Okay. She finds out that he threw it out. <gasps> hey, see, thank you. Oh my god! So she like plows into the bedroom and is like screaming at him, like, "Where's my cheese?" <laughs> I can explain and he's thinking I have to explain the woman and she's just like just tell me where my cheese is, cheese is. Yes. Um, and then he's just like well you know I thought you know you were on a diet and it was just oh. like oh no oh no so she's just yeah. like okay you know what we are just done I am so done and she takes the bag um that she had packed for what she thought was going to be a, like an off-site but they had kicked her out Mm -hmm. um, and she's like, I'm just done. Mm. And then she calls Josh. Mm. So it's midnight, Josh's time. He's just getting out from his restaurant. Um, and he's like, oh, you know, he, he picks up the phone and she says goldfish. And that used to be, they both had kind of rough teenage years. Their families were kind of problematic. Mm -hmm. And when one or the other was in trouble, they would call and mm. say goldfish and the other one drop everything and just like okay i'm there i got you mm, mm, mm. so when she calls and says goldfish he's like i got you I you, know you, yeah. you are coming to san diego and i will take care of you mm, mm. um and he does mm. um and then there it's like okay this time we're gonna help you figure out your life mm. and she's just like oh my god <laughs> <laughs> my life is a mess i don't think i can do this and he's like, no, we, we've got this. And the rest of the herd is like, yes, we've got this. So, <laughs> I love and that. There is a lot of like an obscene amount of cheese involved. So. <laughs> I think that's good. A lot of cheese. Awesome. But, you know, for those who are lactose intolerant, they're going to be like, dang, I can't have any of this cheese. <laughs> She's mentioning all this cheese. I can't eat the cheese. <laughs> <laughs> Well, look, you just have to get a cheese substitute. I don't know what that is, but a, a, a non-dairy cheese, vegan cheese substitute, I guess. I don't know. I will say I love foodie romances, too. too. So there's definitely other foods involved and there's like a food element to it. Yeah, because Josh is a was a ghost kitchen. Can you explain to I, I my husband's a chef, so I know what it is. But explain to people what a ghost kitchen is. Oh, a uh, ghost kitchen is like a set, like a really big kitchen that gets separated into a couple different restaurants. Mm -hmm. um, there's no front of house. There's no like sit down portion of it. It's strictly for delivery. Mm -hmm. um, so he's got five different restaurant concepts in one 
big kitchen. Mm -hmm. um, and the good thing about that is if one of the, the restaurants isn't working, you can swap it out really mm -hmm. relatively easily. As opposed to if you had like a like an actual restaurant where people can show up and sit down and stuff, you would have to like change the decor and like do all this different marketing and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So the idea of like a ghost kitchen is sort of like almost like a mini food hall where people can can get different things or order different things, but there's really no sit down part in it. It's just totally strictly takeout. Yeah, yeah. That well, is so. With DoorDash and Uber Eats and stuff mm -hmm. like that becoming so popular, mm -hmm. um, ghost kitchens have like really come up fast in the past yeah. couple of years. Yeah, yeah. I think those, I think during the pandemic, that mm -hmm. concept, that's one of the things that has really thrived and survived, and kind of like not really taking a hit economically because everybody was ordering out, so nobody wanted to go out to eat. So, you know, people were ordering constantly. And so the takeout kind of thing, ghost kitchens have been really, really popular. I know in Atlanta, it's really popular here. Um, so there have been a lot of little concept things that are just like, hey, we strictly do takeout. We strictly do Uber Eats, DoorDash. There's no sit down, you know, that are like wildly, wildly popular. I think one of them is like a, a um, oh God, what is it? Arepas, like an arepas type of thing. And they're like, like you can't, you, they're always sold out. It's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. But I, I absolutely love the concept and tapping into like foodie, foodie romances. Do you feel like there's something like sexy, inherently sexy about food and, and, and working it into a romance? Absolutely. <laughs> um, just because so many of your senses are involved um, with food. Um, mm -hmm. And it, I mean, it evokes different feelings depending on, you know, there's like foods that remind you of childhood and, you know, there's foods that remind you of your first date and things like that. There's, mm -hmm. there's so much you can do with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so we have Gouda Friends and then that's the second book and it's out today. Actually, we're filming this on the day it's released. Um, so the third book doesn't come out till November. And I know that's about, is it Enemies to Lovers? Oh, the third book is going to be Enemies to Lovers. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know much about it. And maybe there's not much you want to say. But do you want to <laughs> give a hint about, about, you know, what it's going to be about? Well, Tam's twin brother, Vin, um, he and Emily... Uh, were just so madly in love in high school. I mean, they were like the couple mm -hmm. of this herd. Um, but they broke up the first year of college. Mm. Uh, and it was a bad breakup. Mm. Emily moved back to Ponto um, and Vin stayed in New York. Mm -hmm. um, so now he has this super powerful job in Manhattan. He's fallen away from the herd. He didn't want Emily to feel like people hadn't chosen her or that like, you know, that the herd had to make take sides. Mm -hmm. So love, but it didn't really work uh, mm -hmm. for various reasons. Right. 
So now he needs her help. As always. And Everybody she's, needs help. Help. Yeah. she's looking for some payback. Oh, so. okay. Okay. I don't, don't say anything else because I want everybody to pick it up. Yep. I, I, I think this series is like super, super cute. And I think it, even though it's talking about, you know, kid folks who, I say kids because I'm 20, I mean, 40 something, but people in their like 20s, <laughs> in their 20s, I, you know, I still think it appeals to folks who are like, you know, my age and older or whatever because it's because of the friend group dynamic, I think. I think everybody, loves stories about tight knit friends um uh-huh. it's almost like found families in a way or secondary family support in a way that you have in friendships and i think with your this this crafted nerd herd that you put together i just feel like i see you know yes they're primarily asian yes it's a group of folks in there but i still see the universal themes of friendship and love and support beyond you know any other cultural references that are like going on so I just think that's what appeals that and would appeal to other people you know about the book um really quickly I know you've um written and written a whole bunch of other things um I know you wrote in um Penny Reed's Smarty Pants um Romance Universe um, I'm familiar with that because my mentor, Kilby Blaze, also writes in it too. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about that and kind of writing in like what would be considered a quote a romance universe or a book universe if people aren't familiar with that? Writing for Smarty Pants was so much fun. <laughs> it was, uh, and Kilby's great. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a huge fan of Penny Reed's work prior to that. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in her reader group mm-hmm. and she was explaining to someone else what an author universe was. Mm-hmm. Um, and then someone was like, why don't you do that? And she was just like, I don't think anybody would be interested. And I was one of the first people to jump in and be like, I volunteer as tribute. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was dying to write in her Green Valley world. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, she has two kind of main series. She's got the, um, her sort of Chicago series and then she's got Green Valley, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so she, when she put forward the idea, I knew exactly what character I wanted to write. She had a secondary character that was mentioned in a couple of uh, stories that I was just like, I got a story for you, buddy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I turned in a proposal, you know, kind of outlining, okay, this is the character I would like to use. This mm-hmm. is the storyline I'd like to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I got approved and signed on. And then I, I got to write this book about um, uh, a member of their biker gang strangely enough (laughs) and a librarian who comes from out of town Mm -hmm. so it was just it was a pleasure to write you do have to kind of coordinate with the other authors to be to make sure that you know you're not writing anything that directly contradicts what other people say there has to be like a map there's a lot of logistics behind the scenes yeah but yeah uh, but it was so much fun yeah, I was going to say, you because it's collaborative, I'm sure there are a lot of rules and stuff that are in place where you're like, 
you know, as with any series, you have to kind of go take into consideration backstories of other characters that other people have written and stuff. But still, it, it has to be super, super fun and like write in like a specific author or author created universe that's like really cool. It's like writing for Marvel, yes. <laughs> you know, like romance Marvel. I guess. <laughs> romance that's perfect. Marvel. That's it exactly. Yeah, like romance Marvel. You know, you got it. You have to. You have the Bible of all the things, and then you go through the Bible and like, okay, let me let me let me narrow down what I need to you know, write and focus on. So that's really, really cool. Um, so we've talked about a whole bunch of stuff. And now let's talk, let's ask some like really wacky things. So I'm going to do like a really fast, like this or that sort of like in the, inside the actor's studio, um, <laughs> we ask you different questions. Um, so if you're game for it, we can do it. Um, so what is your you talked about the library and working in the library so what was your favorite book as a kid um a little princess probably when i was like really young oh, oh i remember the shirley temple um movie with a little i, mm -hmm. think, I think it was shirley temple a little princess um do you like writing heroes or villains i like writing heroes that are kind of like goofy and hapless <laughs> Yes, very you you very much write cinnamon rolly, soft, gooey heroes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, love scenes or dramatic arguments? Love scenes. Okay. Okay. Um do you like okay, this is a silly question, but and very controversial on the podcast, but um I know people say that books sometimes don't always translate that well to movies, but has there been a book that you think has translated well as a movie, been translated well as a movie? Absolutely. Lord of the Rings. Mm, mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I think Lord of the Rings fandom would probably agree. I think they didn't really leave out any detail there, there with, with the Lord of the Rings. What's your favorite place to write? um my office unless i'm stuck and if i'm stuck then i do like coffee shops okay okay um book reviews read or do not read <laughs> if you <laughs> must read reviews filter for the five stars only. Uh, <laughs> do not read anything lower than that because that's no, like the path of madness got it got it got it I will take that into consideration. <laughs> Last romance novel that you read? I just read The Love Hypothesis by mm. Allie Hazelwood. Mm, that's a good one. Okay. Yeah. What did you think about the STEM, STEM romance in it? Loved it. Just loved it. And it was so like, I mean, you really, I mean, parts of it, you were just like, oh my God, this is so uncomfortable. <laughs> um, but at the same time, it's so, I think, captured um, that world so well. Mm, excellent. Excellent. Um, do, if music helps you write, do you create a playlist for each of your books? Um, not so much playlists for books, but playlists for moods. Mm -hmm. um, so it's like if I need to write a love scene, I have 
a place playlist for that. If I need to write, you know, something funny, playlist for that. If I need something angry, playlist for that. Mm, okay. Okay. And um, is there a favorite word that you use in your writing that you kind of like get flagged over and over again for using? Like, hey, Kathy, you've said blank so many times here. Can we change it up? Um, I start sentences with so or well a lot. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, okay, let's fan cast your book. So if your book became a movie, and which book, who would you want to play the lead? Um, for Gouda Friends, uh, I would love Lana Condor to play Tam. Mm. Um, so she's the, the girl from uh, To All the Boys I've Loved Before. Yes, I love that series. Yeah. Um, and Josh, I don't know. Um, maybe, I don't know, maybe Tom Holland, because I think he'd pull off sweet really well. Oh, yeah, he definitely would. He seems very sweet. <laughs> yeah. He seems very sweet. So if someone was new to romance, what authors, old or new, would you tell them to start reading first? Uh, it would so totally depend on what they like. So that's, it's like, you have to kind of be like, you know, book sommelier where you're like, yeah, okay, okay, so if you like historical, there's this. And if you like, you know, paranormal, there's this. And, stuff mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. and where do you see romance novels going in like the next decade? God willing, it will be more diverse or continue, mm -hmm. you know, uh, and more inclusive um and you know i'd love to say that it will be more accepted but come on now yeah yeah so i'll so i'll take the first two if i can get it yes absolutely absolutely and um the writing process can be long and solitary how do you break up those moments where you feel like you're in the weeds and you don't know what to do um, I find connecting with other writers, um, especially other romance writers mm -hmm. helps enormously because mm -hmm. they get it, you know? Right, right, right. And when it's all said and done, what do you want readers to say about the books you write and what does literary success look like to you? Um, I want them to say about my writing that they stayed up way too late <laughs> finishing something, yes. uh, and but it made them feel better. Yes. Um, and success for me means that I can support my family. That's mm. that's really the end game for this. Mm. Absolutely. Well, Kathy, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Where can people find you on social media and where can we purchase all of your books? Okay. Um, I am uh, pretty much Kathy Yardley on everything. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, uh, at uh, and that's C-A-T-H-Y 
Y-A-R-D-L-E-Y. So that's for Facebook groups, for Instagram, for Twitter. Um, And my books um, are, the Ponto Beach series especially, are available right now in Kindle Unlimited. They're available on ebook, paper book, or paperbacks and uh audio mm-hmm. um yeah and that's and the, I, i'm trying to get most of my books in kindle unlimited and the audio book for um love like subscribe was so good i that's how i listened read it basically listened to it and it mm-hmm. was really, really good the actors are really good oh i know i love them they're they're just amazing in person too so awesome Well, thank you so much, Kathy. It's been a pleasure. And I hope everybody picks up Gouda Friends and gets a whole big block of cheese while they... (laughs) (laughs) I hope you enjoyed the interview with Kathy Yarley. Once again, you can find her on social media everywhere at Kathy Yardley. That's C-A-T-H-Y y-a-r-d-l-e-y.com um and she's pretty much everywhere at kathy yarley on instagram twitter and facebook so um we're gonna get into the watching romance this week Ooh, child we got a lot to watch this week honey. <laughs> it's so much um oh, man I-, I can't even uh like tell you what is happening like this week i am so overwhelmed with um like the amount of content yeah um, that's going on 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 cable on streaming it's it's just a lot it's a lot but first um let me first say that our courtship recaps that happen every wednesday we're off this week um so meg and i I do not have a recap for you this week because the courtship did not premiere on sunday um because of their girl that was a adele concert so one of Portion. Um, so <laughs> okay. they was playing a jail for like two hours. I don't know how that girl got uh, specials on two different stations, oh, but anyway. Um, so Adele. they're gonna actually they're actually going to show the courtship. I think Thursday or something early Thursday, and they'll repeat it again on Sunday. But we'll be back next week, next Wednesday, with another recap of the courtship because, honey, it's really getting good. It's, it is wrapping <laughs> up. It is getting good. We don't know who Miss Rennie is going to pick, but her suitors are something else. So uh, we having a, I'm having a good time with them over at Plot Tris, uh talking about the courtship. But Yakini and I, oh man, just finished the finale of The Gilded Age on HBO, y'all. Y'all, if y'all are not oh, watching that goodness. show, I am so ready for season two already. That but show just brings me so much pleasure. I don't know. It's about know. that time period. And we obviously had our role at that time, what our role was, but just, it just really makes me happy to watch it. Just like the etiquette, the language, the, just the fashion, the, the rules, mm-hmm. the shade, the classy shade. Oh, this season was incredible, yes. but it really culminated in this finale. It was just so fantastic. I want to say mm-hmm. I'm really glad that the storyline with the train wreckage kind of ended with the dad because I like Mr. Russell yes. and I was kind of yeah, concerned I too. about that. Yeah, so I'm really mm-hmm. glad that this, the finale didn't have anything to do with that. His businesses are straight. I, mm-hmm. I have to say about Mr. Russell though, he does some unscrupulous stuff. I need a husband who goes as hard for me as he goes Listen. for his wife. Okay? Listen. She oh. is who she is 
She wants mm-hmm. what she wants. And they're similar mm-hmm. in that way. But Very. you know what he wants are two different things. But he doesn't judge her for what she wants. He knows it's important to her having mm-hmm. that place in society, getting that respect. Because for those of you who haven't watched it, not a spoiler, but it's basically a show about old money versus new money. And just kind mm-hmm. of getting that respect and earning, climbing your way into these social circles and into society. Mm-hmm. And it really is a sorority. And if you don't, if you don't come from old money, it is so, so, so hard, no matter how much money you have currently to get mm-hmm. accepted into these circles. And he yeah. just really goes hard for his wife and, and yeah. helping her kind of get, get what she wants. And I love how he handled it when that little floozy, that Jezebel. Listen, Miss <laughs> Turner. Like oh. side eyeing him. Like, I know if somebody got butt naked slipped between them sheets, you better handle it the way Mr. Russell handled it. I because, know that's right. Yeah. He read He's her. Like, her Ma'am, what are you doing? Yes. He's right. Like, uh, you don't hold a candle built. to my wife. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he didn't even seem tempted. He was, he, it was, mm-hmm. he seemed so disgusted. He really did. He was disgusted. Yeah. He was disgusted. I don't know what she was thinking. And I then don't, for her to go up here. judgment on her part. I don't know what she was And thinking. then for her to go up here and conspire with, yeah. um, with Oscar. What was his name? Oscar, right? Is yeah, Oscar. The yeah, Oscar. The yeah. son, Ben Ryan, Oscar yeah. Ben Ryan. The, right, he's right. in the closet ass. That's a whole, you know, it, oh. that's, we'll talk about that now. I but, I think it is oh. funny. His, his partner is so hurt and resentful and angry about the mm. fact that he needs to be married in order to sit, maintain this lifestyle. But it's yes. me how he's now showing up, the partner trying to win. Yes. <laughs> yes. And she, and like she me, said tonight, like, I, what did she say? I'm out now, you know, or whatever it is. I'm I'm officially like, I'm, um I'm I made officially my out. Like I don't I, I can I can I can do what I want. Basically. Yeah, like, I'm the like of the I'm litter, not, you I don't know. Have to just yeah, but she's interested in, in the other guy too. So made the best yes. man win. <laughs> I I don't think I don't think I I think I don't think she's gonna get either one. You know why? Because the mom is so ambitious. And well, the man, my son has money. I mean, and he he, but he doesn't have as money. much. Right. I think that to her marrying the clout of old money, marrying Agnes's son is more important. They have enough money, so yes, mm-hmm. she wants her daughter to marry someone who's equally rich. But I think that for her, she wants to just really lock herself into you know society. And I think marrying but- a Van Rimes or an Astor. If after mm-hmm. son, I don't. I think that has mm-hmm. a lot of weight. You don't. But think this so is what much? I think. But yeah. But this. Yeah. But I think this is what's going to happen, which will be very analogous to what has happened in real life. So back in that turn of the century, and we were talking about it on Twitter with my mm-hmm. friends who watch the show. But the turn of the century, the Industrial Revolution, a lot of wealthy. Okay, so the aristocracy in Britain was failing. Like. They okay. weren't making it, they weren't having as much money because the industrialists in America were making so much damn money, right? Okay. They were able to expand the territories mm-hmm. and make all this money and all this other stuff, you know, with railroads and this and the third. Yes. So the aristocracy weren't making as much money as they had before, right? So okay. to, in order for them to make money and get money, women would often basically put up the the girls of these American titans to British aristocracy. So okay. she's going to be what's called an American dollar princess, is what it's called. Okay. Um, and so she, I think she's going to marry a duke, a, a viscount, something. I don't think she's going to, I don't think mm-hmm. the homegirl is going to, she's going to get retired in that. 
She's mm-hmm. they gonna be like her, her her mom is gonna be like oh okay so I I don't need she could be British royal she could be British royalty and aristocracy and not only that 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 only not only garners respect over here but it would garner respect over in Britain too so she right. I think she's gonna I think she's gonna get big big money like that okay. I, I don't see I don't I don't see her playing like I'm gonna say I ain't playing for small chips I'm playing for right. big chips you know what right. I'm saying so I, I think she's you. playing the big game. But, so what do you, what do you life, think about her her son marrying uh, Marion? Because from the beginning, I liked. I I, 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 I think it's going to happen. I think it's going to happen. Okay. And that's still. I think it's going to happen. The Van Rimes family. Mm-hmm. And she'll be All okay right. with that. And she'll but be okay she would with rather that. And her then, son possibly marry a little, do a little bit, or rather her daughter. The Aster, marry the Aster girl or something like that. Right. She's probably like that more. Because right. honestly, Marion has the name, but she doesn't have right. the money. She doesn't have the money. You know what I mean? But the she Russell, doesn't have the money. And I think that Aunt Agnes will eventually accept it because more than anything, I mean, of course she wants her, her niece to make a good choice, but Mm-hmm. And she's emphasized many times, this is my money, not her money, which I think is so mm-hmm. shady and funny, but I guess it's very shady. She feels screwed her over. But, you know, mm-hmm. marrying the young Russell will really secure Marion in a way that that's all the aunt wants for her. If she can get past her disdain of, you know, new money. You know, because yes. obviously she yes. went to the ball tonight because she was instructed to do so. But, you know, mm-hmm. I think it's going to, next season is not going to start with, oh, Mrs. Russell is suddenly deeply entrenched in society. No, There's no, gonna she's going to give her the yeah. cold shoulder. She yeah. will be invited to stuff because Mr. Russell's such a powerful man and the men are all doing business with him. So to, mm-hmm. you know, to continue to snub his wife will, will hurt their pockets. But I think mm-hmm. she's going to get the cold shoulder for a long time. And then eventually, I guess we're going to see New York change or something society change mm-hmm. now what are your thoughts on the storyline that got really deep tonight with um with with peggy scott's dad i'm so hurt <sighs> i'm hurt i am yeah. hurt i was literally weeping yeah weeping yeah. Yakini, yeah. weeping because yeah. how could a father do that oh that hurt you know what so i'm saying now, let me, it hurt me. remind me because his, his whole argument was i was trying to spare your reputation now when she told the story to marion and the van rhymes ladies did she say it was her fiance or her husband her husband she had married okay. this man but because he didn't have any money he was quote unquote uneducated like basically he was basically is that why the, the father's the, saying i tried because right. i wonder right. she been, was she being honest with them was she perhaps yeah, not she married was. So why would no, what no, she was, she was, was the father talking about then? She was being she was being totally honest. He was saying that, you know, she was sparing her because she had she had basically he had married annulled. He married beneath her. She had had this marriage forcibly annulled, but she was already pregnant by that time. I see. And so she was having the baby. So Did he have the marriage annulled, I wonder, before she, he found out she was her? So basically, he didn't right. want her to conceive this man's child. He basically right. didn't want her to be with this man at all. So he made right. that decision. At all. That's just so right. low down. And just, mm-hmm. he just was giving me Mr. Vibes. You know, he not really in the was. sense of like just not in the sense of being a rapist or a molester or anything, but just in being a very hateful man with a mm-hmm. cold heart. And I was saddened mm-hmm. that this black man had to be depicted this way. But this is the story, and that's what it, it was is. a time. It was yeah, like, but but you know what though? List. Yeah, Peggy's gonna get her because I think her and the newspaper man gonna have something going on. Oh yes, absolutely they are. Her absolutely and that news that man are. like her. The way yeah. he put his hand on the on her, yeah. on her back he last like, week, I said, "Who he likes her?" And he, respects he likes her. her. 
Yeah. And he respects her. And, and I think and even I'm sure if he won't he be good enough for the father because the father doesn't respect you know, her career as a journalist, right, as a writer. Right. Right, mm-hmm. right, and he I'm sure he wants like, her, mm. and he wants her, his daughter, to marry well, as they all do. Then, mm-hmm. and, and obviously, mm-hmm. being the editor or owner of a newspaper is good, humble work, and he is not a wealthy man, so that's going to be another fight. But I right. hope that she finds her child, and to go to Pennsylvania without any clues and anything is mm-hmm. going to be interesting. I wonder if it the is father's going to break down and help out, or is he going to remain kind of stubborn and cold? But I you wonder. know, Philadelphia's black population was very insular so i think she could and the way where she was financially she's gonna mm-hmm. be able to find that information i think I she's guess, gonna be able to find it depends on if the woman openly adopted the baby or did she go away and pretend to be pregnant and come back like you know how a lot you of know, things you know they secretly. did that stuff yeah, yeah they did that kind of stuff yeah, yeah so who knows honey back then it wasn't no type of you know, yeah. birth certificates and people being yeah. witness and all that stuff. That, it's just they so just cruel they, for her. Yeah, it was she cruel. had a stillborn child only to find out that the baby was alive. I guess she knew in her that heart. That was too much. Yeah. That's why that's why she went to Rakes, who we need to talk about. Yeah. Rakes. Yeah. Oh, who, God, Rakes. who, oh, God. Now, did His name fit them. Were you team Rakes in the beginning or did you always have a I was. Okay. I was team Rakes, but I had no idea he was yeah. going to be so seduced. What about, did you remain team Rakes even when the cousin friend was kind of seeing him out at the opera and side-eyeing him? And I think even, um, what's Miranda's name? Aunt, Aunt Ada. I feel Ada. like people were looking at him and how he was kind of becoming this social butterfly on the town mm-hmm. and you know mm-hmm. like marion i also naively believed he was doing it in order to gain approval you know from the aunts mm-hmm. even though what they mm-hmm. really wanted was money but he mm-hmm. was trying to entrench himself in society and up his standards. so i believe that even though we were getting clues that he was kind of enjoying himself too much i never once mm-hmm. thought that he would the only thing I thought was he fell in love too quickly. And I, I figured that was just for the show. Like, why are they so right. in love? They've barely really done anything. They've stolen mm-hmm. a few kisses, but they haven't really spent real time. But, you know, in this era, people settled down quicker. They but did. I, yeah. I did feel that it was too soon. But this one surprised me, though. It really did. Yeah, it did. It did. But you know, his name fits him. He's a total rake. I did not think that he was going How to be so unscrupulous like that. Yeah. So, so befitting. And then, like, yeah. I was just like, okay, I didn't think, like I said, I didn't think he was going to be so seduced by the money and the and yeah. the lifestyle. He was, he, he was, he, it was there. Mind. He realized, mm-hmm. like people said, there's just bigger and better out there. And look how mm-hmm. easily people are accepting me because I'm handsome and I'm charming. It's mm-hmm. almost like Aunt Agnes kind of knew. And I like that Aunt Agnes, by the way. She's I set in ways and she's old fashioned, but I like her. I think but she calls it like she sees it. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I appreciated how she respected Miss um, Scott. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. yeah, that, and then he just had the audacity to be in his office. He didn't even try to contact her. He was going to just have Come on. I was going to write a letter. You're oh ragged so-and-so. Yeah. I was like, F-boys just transcend the times. They've been around they sure do. for years. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying that because my kids are in and out the room, so I don't want to say the real word, but they've been oh, around Lord. for centuries, okay? Yes, they have. They centuries. sure have. And the, the, the fact that he was just going to write a darn dear John letter. Right. And she put her reputation on the line right you know she was and, willing was, to throw away all her relationship with her family and whoever mm-hmm. else was getting them and even ada, the ada had kind of like hugged yeah. her and was like you know go on girl if you want to yeah. do it fine i'm not Thank gonna God say that back 
Mm-hmm. Ada really mm-hmm. because been Ada been there. Remember yes. the guy yes. that, was, that was into her, and yes. then he found out she didn't have no money, and then the sister yeah. really knew how he really was. Yeah, that you know aunt what I'm saying? Yeah. Ooh, she was like, "Get away from my sister," because you just think you're trying you know, to get money. But you know what's interesting? She protected her sister from it, though. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. She mm-hmm. sent that man away with his hat in his hands and his tail between his legs. He didn't fight for her because he because it was about the money, and. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, man, though, but that that was really like, oh, I'm glad Ooh. that she intercepted them damn letters before they got to where I they know. were going to go. I but know. I, I always like, even though it's funny because when I thought that Mr. Rakes was like a really just a pure nice guy, I remember feeling conflicted, like, wow, I really like this Mr. Rakes, but I also really like young Mr. Russell. He seems mm-hmm. really nice. I wonder mm-hmm. how they're going to do that. Is she going to date both or, you know, but then it turned out that she was really into Mr. Rakes and he became just the background character. But I, I like them. Yeah. I, I hope that we see something next next season with him and stuff yeah. like that. They're, they're I'm sure they'll probably tease that one out. Yeah, they, yeah. they're probably give her a new love interest. There'll be some conflict. They're gonna tease it out. They're gonna tease it out. Yeah, as, it as won't be that show easy. Goes, yeah, it won't. It won't be that easy. You know, let's let's say most shows averaging about four or five seasons. Give it yeah. till about the fourth season, and then they'll be like, okay, we are gonna wrap it mm-hmm. up, you know, and, and get them I'm together. Sure we'll, but yeah, we'll see. Um, the young girl have her the one who just came out the Russell girl mm-hmm. she'll have her pick of suitors and stuff she's yeah. quite a, a mousy looking girl for the role but I think they <laughs> did that on purpose yeah you know, they like did. Her, her mom is a very strong striking woman mm-hmm. and she just mm-hmm. kind of but I guess she's supposed to just be kind of like young and but yeah, no I, I like Mr. And Russell and the naive. dad yeah, yeah, he's him. handsome. Yeah, he is. Okay, handsome. What a oh, girl! What about the people under? But I'm saying the people under the stairs. But the but the <laughs> the, <laughs> st- whole the whole stuff. I, I, I think maybe I've been distracted. But what is the plot of the bald guy who's looking really secretive and all? We don't know. We oh, don't okay. know. I, I missed something. We don't so know. We don't, don't know, know what his connection is to that woman. Was it his okay. daughter? Was it his wife? We don't right. know. It's so we don't weird. Know. I was like, did I miss it? And then nope. we never did. Nope. They never said. Um, are we to assume that it was the other butler who basically secretly told Aunt Agnes that the butler had gone across the street to help? <laughs> yep. Yep. Because they was. never told us. So it was him being a hand. <laughs> Excuse me. It wasn't it wasn't the other butler. I think it was the lady. That evil lady went, like who has the, that the evil lady. Yes. Yeah, yeah the racist woman. Yeah. Yes, okay. Miss Armstrong, who who looked at Peggy's letter, right? Yeah, but right, she, you know right, she right. wasn't gonna let Miss Armstrong go, so Peggy right. had to leave. That I was, was like so really funny when um when um Aunt uh, Agnes was angry at her butler and was talking to him through. Oh my know, god, that was so funny. <laughs> she was telling him to ask the young boy for tips because he did such a good job. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't do a good job. Oh my god, it's so shady. Oh man, so shady. Oh, I enjoyed it. The ball tonight and just the whole mm-hmm. thing, the fa- the way, you know, that that Mrs. Astor has so much clout in the town that she mm-hmm. was able I didn't think she'd get Aunt Agnes Van Rimes across that street at all. But I, didn't I guess either. after Aunt Agnes burst into that house and embarrassed herself that time, that kind of, you know, she figures she yeah. was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A classic show. But I cannot believe that this is based on like real people. Oh, is it? I mean, I know they make references to real people. Well, Mrs. Astor is is the people, the Waldorf Astoria, those people. That's who she is. 
you know, like, yeah. like girl, you should you should look it up because you you're in New York, you probably surrounded by a like lot of people. It's probably related to something that you know. Mm-hmm. Wow, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. that's so cool. Yeah, so it's it's a mess. So I, who knows, girl? It, it's, it's gonna be it's gonna be something. But Miss Astor, her her quote unquote guy. Her, her her assistant uh, Nathan Lane or whoever that was a real person. Um, okay. Yeah, like a lot of these people are real people. I don't think Mr. Russell is a real person, but I think they're just basing him on like I mean, you know, all like his Vanderbilt or something like owns, that. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'm sure he's based on someone. I'm so tickled by Mrs. Astor and Mr. McAllister's relationship because it's so mm. formal. You know the way they call each other, Mr. McAllister or Mrs. Astor. He mm. reminds me of what the relationship would be like if um, Oscar and his partner continue to date, but then they each have to get married <laughs> to maintain their lifestyle. Because yes. I yes. feel like Mr. Yes. McAllister probably had his own little, or still has his own little situation going on, or whatever, yes. Yes, and stuff. Course. But you know, at that time, you marry for image. And, and society and you live your life and you may have other things going on and stuff but he's mm-hmm. very charming I enjoy him you know I, I knew that Mrs. Um, Russell was going to come strong and not kind of back down yeah, on her and not be in mm-hmm. yeah after the way last episode ended where she was so humiliated being put out of that house because Mrs. Astor was coming and she was oh, out in the back with the fish being scaled and the heads oh. being chopped off she it just was so degrading like do you know what I mean mm-hmm. I know that mm-hmm. it, I felt like it was that moment of like and gone with the wind when Scarlett O'Hara stood on that thing and was like I will never be you know what I mean poor yeah. again or whatever she said that, that was like I a climax go hungry again. right yeah. right that moment when she stood out there she looked around it's just she was like f this like i'm not doing this i'm not doing it because mm-hmm. i thought she would say if you if you come to the ball with your daughter you can come but she said uh-uh you bring in the sisters too and mm-hmm. she made it happen so yeah, yeah it was good that was so good i cannot i cannot yeah. wait for season two mm-hmm. that, that was a good so finale good. Mm-hmm. Now that we done told the whole, um, show, <laughs> yeah, but season, so you spoil, okay, we're too late. We're too late to even say spoiler alert. Right, but, spoiler you know. alert. <laughs> <laughs> we really are. <laughs> we are too late. Like, oh, yeah, by the way, spoiler alert. <laughs> I'll, put, I'll put it in everything. the description. Oh, Lord, yeah. I'll put it in the, in the show description. Okay. But yeah, some other stuff is happening too that's coming. Lots of it's jam packed these next couple yes. weeks. Um, on HBO, I told you about that show last season, Starstruck, about mm-hmm. the girl who falls in love with the movie star. Yes. just the average girl who falls in love with the like the the Indian guy who's a movie star, Tom. And it's it, oh my god, season two is coming on uh the twenty fourth, and I am going to binge it that day because okay. I'm off, and I am going to binge that show. <laughs> I am so ready for it. I love a mm-hmm. good juicy rom com series, and this one is so well done. Like I, I am so ready for. It. I cannot wait to see what kind of shenanigans they're gonna be. Yes. they probably just. They probably, I know it's gonna be a mess, but you know it's gonna be so good. And then finally, y'all, Bridgerton, March twenty fifth. Yeah. Don't bother me or your teeny. The timing. Don't bother us. Right. Yes, don't bother us this weekend. So that's gonna, gonna be, be this Friday. So watch, listen yes. to the podcast and then watch Bridgerton. Now, are you gonna yes. release that one or are you gonna binge watch it when they're all? Now you know I'm going. You know I'm, know I'm, I'm right. off. I'm off until my birthday, which is Monday. So <laughs> I am off, and I am going to watch the whole doggone thing 
Um, <laughs> and 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 I told I told Jay even leave me alone. Don't bother me. I don't right. want to do nothing for my birthday. I just want to just watch Bridget and drink right. wine. So leave me alone. <laughs> that's right. Oh, that sounds amazing. Sounds good. Oh yeah. So wine, so crab legs, and Oh yes, crab legs. Thank you for reminding me. Crab legs. <laughs> That's all I want. Yeah. I'm gonna do a little boil for myself mm-hmm. and, then, and 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 watch my bridges and yes. yeah, yeah. But um, girl, I am so ready for it. Again, it was gonna be focusing on Anthony Bridgerton, um, and his relationship with uh, I think it's Sarah Sharma, Miss Sharma. Um, mm-hmm. so it's gonna be really good, y'all. It, I am very excited. Very excited. We don't get we don't get ready to done done pay. Reggae, Reggae John Page. We don't get him. Yeah. But, you know, we're going to get some of the rest of the cast. So we're, we're, he's going to come back. He's going to come back in other You think later so? On. Or have you, have you, yeah. are you speculating or have you read that series? Um, I mean, I'm thinking about the series. He may make an appearance here and there. But yeah. I don't see yeah. him That'd be a being pleasure. a major. Yeah. I don't see him being a major mm-hmm. part of it. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, y'all, it's a lot of stuff going on. First of all, shout out to Lifetime who has given us what we need. Yeah, last this past them. weekend, they had what it was a well, something next door about the stalker guy in the neighborhood. That was a black one. It was kind of like like a a mix of like Joe from you and and something that's like sins of the neighborhood. I think that's what it was called on um, this past weekend, but. They also have on the second of April. I want to. I want to remind y'all so I can get ready. Uh, the Fallen Angels Murder Club, starring Tony Braxton. Oh and yeah, shout out, looking forward. And to shout out to Tony Braxton. Yeah, yes. shout out to Tony Braxton um, for the uh, passing of her sister Tracy. Yes, yes. Um, you know, we 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 loved her on Braxton Family Values. Yeah, so did. you know, yes. she, much love to her and her yeah. family. But yeah. you know, she's acting and she's still acting. But it's 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 about a, a true crime club. Uh, who get uh, caught up in a crazy killer? Oh, I'm looking forward crazy. to that one so much. So that's going to be so good. April second. So I think it's going to be a series. Uh, April second. So. Oh, that's going to um, be. Cute. Also, also April. The, I think the 16th and the 23rd. I think wrath and greed from the new uh yes, the the seven deadly series yes I was y'all what was happening with those next installments because the first two with victoria so uh, murray who wrote the series y'all mm-hmm. they are victoria christopher murray who wrote the series it is coming the next two installments because they're doing the whole series but the next two books wrath and greed are coming and y'all are going to really enjoy it one of them is starring michelle williams and tina knows I can't remember which oh, wow. one. And then the other one has um oh what's the girl that was in the dancing Christmas movie we saw? Monique Coleman. Okay. Um she is mm-hmm. in one and, and little Romeo and some other people. It's gonna be so good, y'all. Romeo Miller, it's gonna be so yeah. So that is. So I am going to be tuned in for those, trust me. Mm-hmm. And then finally to just get on y'all radar for for the coming months, but Hallmark, remember we announced that Hallmark is doing their own mahogany line of movies and so really? the movies yeah the movies are going to be start, are filming already and the first movie that's going to premiere is called unthinkably good things hmm. it is directed by terry j vaughn who's doing a lot of directing these days as in addition to acting um but it's going to be starring erica ash lance gross and mia jordan among other people but it's called unthinkably good things it's going to premiere as part of Hallmark's movie and mysteries mahogany 
line of movies. So that's going to be so good, y'all. I mean, we, I mean, they are really, really trying with the diversity. I mean, Lifetime really stepped they pussy up. I'm, I'm going to say that. <laughs> but but Hallmark, they, they come, they're trying to do something too. So who knows what we're going to get in the next couple months, and especially with the Christmas season. It's probably going to be really, really good. Yes, so, yes. Y'all mark your calendars. It's going to be great. Wow, especially in the next some couple good weeks. TV watching. I'm telling mm-hmm, you, man, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, Finally, wow. in reading romance, uh, of course, Kathy Yardley's Good of Friends book is out today. We talked about it in the interview. It's book two in her Ponto Beach book series um, about uh, Tan and Josh. <laughs> So y'all will enjoy that. If you love cheese, then you're going to love this book. <laughs> love this book. Um, and also, <laughs> shout out to Taj McCoy because her debut novel, Shabby Sheldon, Shabby Sheldon Feels Good as Hell, is also out today. I got my copy finally since NetGalley wanted to deny me and didn't let me get a copy early. But I got my copy here in my hands. It's such a cute little cover. It's not a plus size rep. It's going to be really, really good. It's going to be hot and steamy and all that good stuff. So I am really ready to dive in and read it. So, yeah, shout out to Taj McCoy, who is my Facebook Instagram friend. Mm -hmm. And so ready for that. And then finally, in listening romance, um, I want to, since we're talking about all things Bridgerton and Regency with the Gilded Age and the Courtship and Bridgerton, shout out to T and Strumpet's podcast. We talked about all things Regency romance. They talk about a lot of diverse topics in Regency romance. Very nice. So, yeah. So, it's a really cute, cute podcast. So, yeah, that's about it. So, are you listening to anything, Eugenia, or watching anything besides the things that we talked about? No, not listening or watching anything else besides those things. Mm -mm. Yeah, so. listening to anything else besides those podcasts? No, like I said, I enjoyed the concert this weekend. So, I kind of went back and started digging into the crates of some old Maxwell okay. and some old um some old Anthony Hamilton and Joe performed too and I did not realize how many hits Joe has. Oh my yeah. God. So yeah. Yeah, I really, really enjoyed the concerts. I'm just digging in the crates and going on, mm-hmm. on um I know I can Spotify and stuff. Whole afternoon yeah. right of just listening to going down that oh my goodness, that rabbit hole of uh yes, classic yes. R and B. Yeah, good classic R and B because the men yeah. ain't singing no more. Like Maxwell right. said in concert, he said, Look, my mic is on. Ain't no auto tune, baby. I I'm Mercy. I don't I don't I don't yes, auto tune, baby. Maxwell said for you, you know what I'm saying, and he was he was so sick. He was saying such the nastiest raunchy stuff. But anyway, he was so yeah, girl. This is my third time seeing Maxwell. Yeah, this is my third time seeing Maxwell. Um, but he was he was very like you know Maxwell will come over. I'm gonna kiss you and lick you and you know and I'll make love to you and oh girl, it was a lot. It was a lot. It was a lot. You know he sung. He sung a little Al Green, you know. He oh, it, was, it was good. He, has that he did not. So he the that, the yeah. people were upset. The people were upset because he didn't he do did woman's not. work or something. Is that yes, he didn't sing this woman's work. Why did he was like, hey, not do that? I think he's tired of it. <laughs> I, I mean, do artists really like deny you like your most favorite song because they're tired of singing it? I could see if you no longer have the range, you know, like Whitney Houston, God rest her soul. But towards the I end, think. she I'm... lost her chord, so she couldn't mm-hmm. do certain songs, or she would turn he the mic. Still to hit the notes, but I think he's just tired of singing the damn song. Mm-hmm. Like he's like, 
And you know, it, they don't mean the same to him anymore. Yeah, you know, yeah. Who yeah. knows? It's something like it was a very you know, special, intimate song. Yeah. Yeah. So, so who right. knows? But he sung some of the new stuff. He sung some of the some like hit some hits that I didn't really remember. Um, well, not really remember, but like I remember playing. But like I was like, mm-hmm. oh, he kind of did a do a new arrangement on it and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, and you know, he sang "Fortunate," which I was shocked because he. Has himself expressed that he had reservations about singing it because okay. you know R. Kelly wrote the song, but he also won a Grammy for this song. Yeah, so you know it was one of the first times he won a Grammy. So I mean, yeah. it's hard. It was, and he was in Atlanta. You know, you're in a room full of black people. They want to hear fortunate. <laughs> they want to hear fortunate. Right. So, yeah. I mean, you know, he, he was like, you know, Atlanta, I love you. You know, you know right. he was some, like all these black people and stuff and. You know, it, I can't believe it's been almost 30 years since he's been out. Oh, my goodness. I know. Ugh. It makes me feel so I remember old. when his first album came out and I was cranking that. I was like a junior mm-hmm. high school or sophomore. Yeah, we were, yeah, we were Julia's almost 10 years. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Oh, I know. Still sounds so good. So y'all, go, so y'all go listen to some Maxwell. Go listen to some Joe. Go listen to some Anthony Hamilton. He was good, too. So I mean, y'all, y'all just listen to that that whole. Just stream some of that. Give these boys some some income. Yes, <laughs> Give them some income. <laughs> so I think his new. I think Maxwell's album, new album, drops on uh, and final album in this whole trilogy that he's done is gonna be Friday. So um, you all can listen to the rest of it. They, and mm-hmm. Anthony Hamilton's album is already out. So yeah, that's I don't think so uh, has anything. That's yeah. So anyway, you guys, you have a great, great uh, month, year, whatever, week. (laughs) 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 But have a good week. We hope you come back next week. And uh, we're going to have next week will be the last week of uh, Women's History Month. So we have to commemorate that. Yes. Yes. And I mean, it's always our time, but our month is ending. But 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 it's airy season for me and Yakini, so we yes. are crunk. So we are ready. Yes. We are ready to bring in our season. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So my birthday is Monday. Her birthday is the next Monday. Yeah. So you know we are we are getting it together. So yes, you guys, you have a great weekend. A have great a great week, weekend, we guys. See you and later. Be safe. Bye. All right. Bye. <laughs>